Thank you for listening to this episode of the Young Baptist Podcast. My name is Clay Maynard, and I'm joined by my co-host, Josh Johnson. We are two guys committed to gospel-shaped life and ministry, and we want to see our brothers and sisters captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Christ. Josh, how's it going, man? Going well, Clay. I'm happier than a tornado in a trailer park. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Dude, I, feel, I feel like we have not, like... <laughs> I feel like we haven't talked in a while, bro. Well, you've been out of town and, you know, I've not been. So, yep, it's been a hot minute, buddy. Yeah, it's been a weird time. I've, I've, um, yeah, I was, I was gone for over a week on vacation. And then, you know, if you, if you're with, if you're on my socials, you might know this already, but my grandfather passed away. And, um, and so there was some, you know, complication dealing with, um, dealing with those arrangements. Um, but man, it's a, it's a great, it's a great time to have hope in Christ. It's like the old catechism says, uh, what is our only hope in life and death that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death to God and to our savior, Jesus Christ. Mm, um, that's good stuff. Yeah. Which there's a great song about that. If you've not heard it, and I've had that on repeat the last week or so. Um, Christ, our hope in life and death. Um, yep, it's comforting for the soul for sure. Yeah. I can't imagine not knowing the, the God's word and knowing that we have hope. I can't imagine it. Paul says that in first Corinthians 15, if, if this was, if this life was it, we'd be miserable. Yes, we would. Of all men, most miserable. Yeah. Most miserable <laughs> of everybody. We'd be the worst. Well, and, and two, you think about, um, before you knew Christ and before you knew the, the truth of scripture, you didn't know what you didn't know. Now, knowing what we know, he says, now that you've heard these good news, if, if, if the resurrection's not there, we're, we're in bad shape. Yep. Yep, for sure. So Josh, we've got some great episodes lined up coming up soon. Uh we're excited yes, to sir. we're excited to announce that we have uh Toby England coming on mm -hmm. as a guest to talk about apologetics. Yep, he was one of my professors in college. Uh man, he's he's brilliant. He's a genius and I think uh he'll have a lot of great content to share with our audience about the topic of apologetics and why it's important and mm -hmm. different ways that we can put that into practice in our daily witness. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a lot. I've not had a lot of interaction with him, but I've, I've followed him a little on social media and stuff and he, he's constantly putting out good content, really smart guy. So that that's exciting. Yep. We also have an episode coming up on worship. Um, we're going to be talking with Lance Schmidt, uh, who is a worship pastor at Emmanuel in Newington. Um, mm -hmm. We actually had one of our first episodes was an interview with his father, uh, Carrie Schmidt, uh, who Josh and I both um, think a lot of and really have admired and respected. They've done a really great job up at their church. So uh, we're, we're excited to have Lance on as well to talk about worship in, in the yep. gathered church. So Yep, it's going to be good. And Shane and Shane, if you guys are listening, we'd love to have you guys on the podcast as well. Come on. So uh, have your people talk to our people and we'll get that thing set up. Yeah, shout out. Reach out to the Young Baptist Podcast Secretary, also Which known as me us. or Josh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> also uh we had a contest recently josh we did our last episode we said that if you followed some instructions on social media that you'd be entered into a drawing and at the end of today's episode we are going to announce the winner of that drawing you're going to win a your very own copy of gavin ortland's book uh finding the right hills to die on the case for theological triage so we are really excited about that so stick around for the end of the episode and we'll announce the winner of that contest now, there's two kinds of people that are listening to you say that right now, Clay. There are those people that are committed to this podcast who are going to listen to the episode and get to it. And then there's the person who just heard you say that and started scrubbing forward. They're not even listening anymore. They've stopped listening. Man, that <laughs> makes me so sad. And now that you're listening to this because you just came back to this spot. Yeah, we, we're going to stop and pray for your, we're going to stop and pray for your spirituality right now. That's that's so true. You probably need to need to engage more in the spiritual disciplines. You're the one that should be at this altar right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see that hand. I see that hand. No, seriously, if you if you did that, you probably you probably need to engage in the spiritual disciplines more often. Come on. What a great transition, Josh. Cuz that is our say? that is our topic today, spiritual disciplines. Um, and so we're excited to get into this. What, what are spiritual disciplines and why are they important? That's what we want to talk about today. You're listening to the Young Baptist Podcast. 
A show that exists to call believers to committed faithfulness to God's Word. To equip Christians by answering the tough questions that need to be asked. And to challenge churches on everything that distracts us from the beauty and glory of Christ. Now, here's your hosts, Clay Maynard and Josh Johnson. So, why are we talking about spiritual disciplines? Uh, I think there's a couple of reasons for that, Josh. Um, one, because I think Christians that are, I don't think Christians that are, are healthy Christians want to grow in their faith. And they want to grow, right. grow closer to Jesus. And a lot of times that seems sort of um, disconnected from practicality, right? It's like, well, how do I do that? What do I do? Um, and people want practical things, especially new Christians. And maybe if you're, even if you've been a Christian for a while and you've just, you've just kind of fallen off the wagon, or maybe you've engaged in the spiritual disciplines in the past, but you didn't have a very healthy view of it. And so we're hoping that this will, this episode will be an encouragement to you as well to kind of maybe give you, a, I know it's done this for me as I've gotten ready for this episode. It's given me a refresher and it's, it's really re-energized me about what these are, why they're important. Um, and so that's why we're talking about it today. We want to encourage new Christians uh, who've, who've not really engaged in these, you know, Christians who have in the past, but maybe have not seen the fruit from it they'd like. Um, and just to have a healthy conversation around uh, spiritual disciplines. Well, in addition to that, you never outgrow these things. So maybe you are fluent in the spiritual disciplines or you're, you're very committed to them. It's not a bad thing to go back and remind yourself of these different things that we try to commit to and do in our Christian life every single day to draw us closer to Christ. So I don't think you ever really outgrow the conversation uh, about spiritual disciplines and and uh, the way they fit. Now, I could see some who would be hesitant about the spiritual disciplines because um, it is, a, if I can say, a do thing. And if you aren't careful with the spiritual disciplines, they can become somewhat of like a legalistic checklist that becomes an integral part of your Christian life. And we want to avoid that for sure. Yeah, that, that's maybe a word of caution, you know, as we talk about why we're talking about this. You know, David Mathis, I, I read an article by him where he, where he talked about spiritual disciplines and he called them habits of grace. Mm. And I like that that way of putting it. And, and, and there is a word of caution there because I think the temptation, what you're talking about, especially with people who've been Christians for a while, even if you don't mean to, you, it starts to become just rote repetition. It can just become, yep. um, you start doing it for the sake of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, John Piper actually says, and maybe you don't like Piper. That's fine. I don't agree with it. Piper on everything, but he's a, he's a flawed human being like all of us, but he is a Baptist. So, <laughs> um, but, I'm, but he, on, there you go <laughs> on this issue, he's dead, right though. And he says that, uh, he says that spiritual disciplines are a means to an end, not an end in themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's a good way of putting it. Uh, corporate worship, reading scripture, prayer, fasting, we're going to talk about all these things, but they're important, not because of what they are but because of what it should lead our hearts to. When, when it's driven from a pure source, when it's driven with the right motivation, which should be a love for Jesus and from a pure heart, when those things are there, uh, it, it's, it, it drives us to the right destination. They in themselves are not holiness. They in themselves are not sanctification. They in themselves are not the end. They are, but, they, but they are a helpful means to an end. But that mm-hmm. end is sanctification. That end is growing, like growing in your love for Jesus, growing closer to Jesus, and growing in, in how you, how much you look like Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to summarize the disciplines: is that they help us grow in Christ likeness and sanctification. Yep. But to, but to your point too, if you just focus on accomplishing them, if you checking them off, you know, it can turn them into into an end, like as if the point of them is to complete them. And it's not. Mm-hmm. They're just the journey. They, are, they aren't the destination. The, the destination is to enjoy and be satisfied in Jesus. So one of the, when you get hung up on this the wrong way, you'll also start obsessing on the how of these disciplines. Like in other words, they have to be done a certain way. You have to do them a certain way. You'll get hung yes. up on that when, mm-hmm. you're, when you're seeing them the wrong way, when you're seeing them as the end and not the, des- and not the journey. 
You start seeing them as the destination. Um, don't get hung up on the how. I mean, I, I know for, for me, I don't even, I want to avoid blanket prescriptions in this episode because it's not really about the specific way you do it so much as it is that, that you are doing them. Um, you know, it's, you'll start focusing on, am I doing it better than others? Am I doing it better than I did last year? Uh, and that's, that's just the wrong motive. You can sl slip into um, what Colossians 2 calls will worship. Yep. Um, and so it's, there's a lot of different formats that spiritual disciplines can take. The important thing is that we know them so that we can do them in ways that draw us closer to Christ. Yep. And I would say in my own life, the times that I have been, I felt like maybe my my walk with Christ has not been the hottest, if I can put it like that. And I've re-examined, it's usually always attached to the disciplines becoming um, that checklist kind of Christianity, if you will. Because usually how it ends up going is notice kind of a, a cooling in my, my walk with Christ. And I think, well, I've been reading my Bible and that's that's first that's first notice right there. Well, okay checklist hold on slow down you know so i think that's something we also have to guard guard ourselves uh from as well as you've been saying so absolutely uh clay we probably ought to define sanctification because that's a big word that's a very photosynthesis word <laughs> so uh what is it how how do we define sanctification Here's what Jesus said about it in John 17. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We see a couple things in this verse. We see that we're sanctified through the word of God, God's word. But this should be fun. We also see that we are sanctified by God. God is to do the sanctifying in our lives sanctify them so we see that god is the one sanctifying which i think is important to note that um it's not that the, the process of sanctification is the work of christ in us it is god's work in yes. us yes yeah as we these are behaviors that god uses in our life to sanctify us but it is him that does the sanctifying mm -hmm. There's no question about that. He sanctifies us through obedience, but it's his work in us. Not, it's not the actions themselves that sanctify us. Um, you, you see over there in Philippians where he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But then the next verse says, for it is God, which worketh in you both to yes. will and to do of his good pleasure. So that, that process of growing in your, in your relationship with Christ and you're growing in your, in your sanctification is, is a work of God. Yep. And then, Paul talks about in first Thessalonians four, he says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification that ye abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess the vessel, his vessel in sanctification and honor. So sanctification, yes, is the work of God, but it is also, you're not going to sit there and passively let sanctification happen to you. Yep. You enter into sanctification as well. Yep. Uh, when he says that you should abstain from fornication, that, that's there's there's action going on there. Yep, you are you're stewarding. So when that's, he talks about that's possessing, important to notice. Yeah, he talks about possessing your vessel there. That's a that's stewardship of your life in yes. a way in obedience to Christ. Yeah, and sanctifying the word sanctifying it, it literally just means making holy, making like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um. Yep. So that's awesome. So Josh, what are, I, this is a good transition here to what are the spiritual disciplines? Um, I was talking to you about David Mathis earlier. He breaks the spiritual disciplines down into three categories. And I thought it was a little helpful. The first category was hearing God's voice, which is God's word. The second category is mm -hmm. having God's ear, which is prayer. And the third category is belonging to his body which is a reference to the gap like that yeah which is a reference to the church so let's let's go through those categories the first category he mentions is is hearing god's voice which is which is god's word um this is the scripture yeah and so there's a couple of things we can do with scripture so if you don't have a bible you, you need a bible you know at the very least That's you need right. access to one on i know they have them on devices now i don't recommend having that only I recommend having a physical copy, but 
you know, to start with, you can do it. I, I do a lot of uh, Bible study, Bible reading, Bible memorization. I do a lot of that on my phone nowadays. It's such an easy tool that in my pocket with no addition, carrying nothing additional around, I have access to God's word. But the, mo- right. the important thing is that you need access to God's word. You need something to work with. Um, and the first thing is obviously reading. Yeah, Clay, I once heard a quote. Uh, actually, I read it in the book, The Disciplines of a Godly Man. I think it's the title of the book. R. Kent Hughes put it this way. He said, you can never have a Christian mind without reading the scriptures regularly because you cannot be profoundly influenced by that which you do not know. And um, I think that goes right in line with what we're talking about here. The word yes. is, is absolutely integral to uh, our sanctification, but you can never be impacted by the word in the way that you could if you're not spending time in it in some way. If you don't know the word, the word can't change you. Yeah, and you can't know it without reading it. Uh, you know, here, here That's right. faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. And you have to know it for yourself. It's, it's not enough to hear it from somebody else. I know I love to listen to audio preaching. I love to listen to uh, devotionals of different types. Um, but you cannot replace reading God's word for yourself. Um, and I, and I would recommend not skip, you know, not, not skipping parts of the Bible either. I know that's a temptation, you know, is to only read certain parts of it. And I'm not saying you can't read some parts more than others or whatever. I'm not going to be all like that with the, with the rules here, but, but my encouragement is that all of it is, is given by inspiration of God. So it's all profitable. That's what scripture teaches us. Yeah. Um, so taking time and I believe this should be a daily practice. I don't think it's mm-hmm. like if you miss a day, if, if your life goes crazy one day and you don't read your Bible that day, that, that God's up there mad at you and, you know, like, don't talk to me. I can't believe you didn't read the Bible today. But I do think in general, this should be a daily practice for a Christian because there's all kinds of other things we're doing because we, we, we take them as necessary for daily life. We eat, we sleep. Well, for a healthy spiritual life, you need to have regular input of God's word. And that should be a daily thing. Daily, you need the milk and meat of the word to sustain your life and to move you forward in your Christian walk with God. I know for me, the one that I would, I always have to improve on is the memorizing of God's word because I'm not super good at it. And I, I sometimes struggle to set aside the time to devote to just memorizing scripture. Yeah. So that's one, that's an area I definitely have to improve. Yeah. Memorizing is, is a, you could call this a spiritual discipline. It comes from the, from several places in scripture. I know Psalms, David says that you should hide God's word in your heart, uh, which means you should cherish it, you know? Uh, and I know this, you know, when, when people have said very important things to me in my life, you probably have done the same, Josh, you can actually years later, you can hearken back to those days and you can say, he told me this and it never left me. Well, right. what, what has God told you in his word that you don't ever want to leave you, you know, and those promises, those truths of scripture, we need to be hiding those in our heart. That's memorization. Um, and so reading, memorizing, meditating is something that scripture teaches. Um, taking time, spending it in, in a, dev- a devotional time where you met the word meditate means a lot of different things. To a lot of different people. There's other religions that, uh, that, f- that teach meditation as clearing your mind of everything. But that's not the biblical Christian view of meditation. The, the biblical right. Christian view is to put the truth in and to meditate on that. Not to empty your mind of everything, but to take, to take in truth uh, and, to, and to hold on to it. I heard somebody say, people talk about being open-minded, but the only use of having an open mind is so that when truth enters in, you can actually focus on it and digest it. Um, that's the point of having an open mind. And that's what we want to do with scripture. We want to bring it in. We want to understand it. We want to, we want to dwell on it. We want to spend time with it. We want to chew on it. If, if to use the eating analogy. And, uh, I know Isaiah says that his God's words were found and he did eat them. Um, he uses that analogy in Isaiah. And that's, that's so important to spend time thinking about it. You know, Josh, I've, I've been in Bible reading plans before where the temptation was to just get through it, my reading for the day. But I would rather read, you know, Corinthians says over there that he's, Paul says in Corinthians, tells the Corinthians, he says, I would rather, I'd rather hear fewer words in some, in something that I understand than thousand, than a 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Well, the same is true, true of scripture. If you're going to read your Bible, I'd rather read one chapter that, that I really thought about and let the truth yep. of it minister to me than to read five chapters or 10 chapters that I rushed through and got nothing from. 
So it's, it's the penetration of God's truth into our heart that we should be focused on, not just the, the, the reading of it. But, but it starts with reading. It starts with doing it. You just got to get into a, we've got to get into a practice of putting God's word inside of us. And so memorization, reading it, meditating on it, memorizing it. To, to cap off scripture, Josh, I think the last thing that I could mention that scripture teaches as far as a spiritual discipline would be studying. Sure. And so spending time understanding scripture, you know, trying to see the, 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 the doctrines of scripture that's taught. Um, so taking some extra time to understand what you believe and why, uh, because there's a lot of misunderstanding about the Bible. And so under taking the time to go through it and learn what we need to learn. Well, and, and we should all be improving theologians every single day. Yep. Not just the pastors and the seminary professors, every Christian should be an improving theologian, interacting daily with the the doctrines of the Bible, getting a better understanding of them. Yep. And and being able to articulate what the scripture says on different things. That should be a goal of ours. There it, it's doctrine often gets looked at as something like that's what the nerds interact with. But truthfully, we should all be interacting. We should all be doctrine nerds if we want to boil it down. Yeah, you you listeners, you listeners might articulate those things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, What's that? I was going to say the listeners might think Josh and I are nerds, and that's probably true. But we didn't start this podcast just for theology nerds. We right. wanted we wanted to put into everyday language some so, so, the the doctrines that that are there so that everybody could talk about them, that everybody could understand them. We want everybody to under and and that, that that's what the gospel was meant to be. And that's the way the God, the word of God was meant to be. It was meant to be so that every, that you could read it for yourself um, and understand it. God, it's the, the point of scripture is that there's somebody on the other end of it. There's somebody there reading it and understanding it. And Josh, you mentioned being an improving theologian. That's how you, how, that's how mature Christians can be kept from being swayed as scripture says, uh, uh, tossed about with every wind of doctrine. This is how you mm-hmm. can do that. That's not just for pastors and preachers. This is for every Christian. As you grow in your faith, you'll be quicker to spot doctrinal error. You'll be able to spot false teaching so much quicker as you grow in your in your devotional life because you've taken that time to understand Bible doctrine. That's crucially important. Yep. You've seen this probably. Uh, a young person in church starts really getting passionate about studying the Bible and people start telling him, oh, you should go to Bible college, which maybe he should. But maybe he's just a regular Christian who loves God's word. Like, why is it that the moment yeah. somebody shows a passion about knowing God's word, the thought is, oh, th- they should be a preacher. You know, is, is it possible that maybe we're segmenting those people out because we don't want to feel guilty? Like, oh, if he's doing that, it's because he's obviously called to preach. Well, maybe that's just a way of justifying ourselves because we don't want to we don't want to have that kind of passion for God's word. That's true. That's good. Make doctrinal study normal again. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Make, make Bible study great again. Yeah, that's right. This is probably one area where pride enters in the easiest, because uh, it's, it's probably the easiest place outside of church attendance to measure your performance. So, yeah. the, so the temptation is to allow knowledge to, to puff up here. Um, you know, I read my, I read my Bible two times a year, not just one, you know, or uh, Dr. So-and-so read his Bible 200 times. You know, and so what you're doing when you do that stuff is you're making the spiritual discipline the end and not the means like we were talking about before. Yeah. You're, you're making it about your performance, not about knowing and becoming more like Jesus. Um, so I don't think that's the temptation for most, though. <laughs> you said that about kind of making that the uh, the goal to to do that. I was challenged once. I may have mentioned it on the podcast before. I was challenged once in it was either my senior year of high school or while I was in in college on break to read 40 chapters of the Bible a day, because that's what you did. If you, if you love the Bible, 40 so chapters I tried it for, a, yeah, I tried it for a week. Do you know how hard that is? I can't imagine to, that's to hours wake of up reading. and sit down and try to read 20 chapters in the morning and 20 chapters at night. I mean, if you can, and you can, and you can absorb that much information, that's wonderful. But I don't think I could absorb that much information of any book. Yeah. It lasted a week. So, <laughs> yeah, it was hard Wow, because it was a misunderstanding. Like the goal, if the goal for your, if the goal of the Bible was for you to read it a certain number of times, I'm pretty sure we'd find that somewhere in there. Yep. But uh, I don't really see that in, in the Bible. No, what you see is let these truths be in you and abound, right? Yeah. 
let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the goal is Peter says to add to your faith, that whole list, virtue and brotherly kindness and charity and, and, um, all those things like that's, that's the goal is, is the fruit of the spirit, what it's going to produce in you. Sanctification is the goal. Um, I don't think that's the temptation for most though. It's possible that some tempt, the temptation for some is to, for it to become performance based like that, but that's probably not the temptation for most Christians. I think most Christians, the temptation is to skip. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Or to not read at all, or to only read parts that you like, or, or, or how about this one to only do devotionals that were written by men that don't, that don't actually walk you through written scripture. I know that's an easy thing to do because it's those, I think all of those things are mistakes. Those may not be bad things at different seasons of life, like reading through a devotional or only reading a certain place, but that should not be the, the defining hallmark of your Christian, yeah, your Christian walk and your Christian uh, experience with the word. And devotionals are good, good as supplements, but if it's going to be the only yes. thing you do is this devotional, it needs to be a devotional that actually takes you through the scripture where you're reading the actual words of God. It shouldn't just be a devotional written by a person. Correct. Um, but at the end of the day, what's the best devotional? You're, you're probably thinking, oh, what do you recommend? I mean, we all got our own little things we do, I think. Uh, what's the best devotional? What's the best reading plan? The best Bible? The best Bible is the one you read. The best time mm-hmm. to read is whatever time you do it, <laughs> right? The best devotional or reading plan is the one you do. So, right. so start there and then adjust as you go forward. Because you're, what you're going to find is there's, there's just an amazing rich, uh, plethora and richness of resources out there. Um, I know that Josh and I are doing a chronological plan together on the YouVersion app right now. And I've really fallen in love with that, with that chronological plan. I've done the McShane reading plan. You know, there's, there's all kinds of resources out there. Matter of fact, Josh, if, if, they, if the listeners go back to our, our interview with Brian Sams, on biblical authority, there's a section of that interview where we ask him, how can a Christian know their Bible better? And he gives just a ton of resources. So if you're interested in that, it's probably on our bookshelf as well. If you go to our website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com, you can go to our book, our bookshelf is one of the tabs and there's all kinds of resources there as well. Um, just get started. That's the thing. Just, just read your Bible, memorize it, hide it in your heart, meditate on it, study it. And, um, and it'll, it'll really enrich your Christian life. So so Josh, that brings us to the next category of spiritual disciplines, which is prayer. Uh, prayer is vitally important. It's, it's the prayer is the process of you communicating with God, you talking to God, you spending time with God. Um, right. And you having God's ear. But prayer is just as important to change you as it is to move the heart of God. Mm-hmm. Um, it works alongside with meditation, but there is a, the, the process of prayer is about you communicating with God at its core. And so you, there's a lot of things that prayer can, can encompass, and we don't have really time to, to go into all of that today, but let's just suffice to say, it's important that you start talking to God on a regular basis if you're not. And if you are, that you folk, you make sure that that's not just rote, you know, repetition like the Pharisees did. It's, it's a real intent to communicate with Jesus. Yeah. And I know this is a weakness in my life. I'll admit that openly. Same. Um, I think it's probably a weakness in the average church, uh, in our corporate church life, that we don't pray together enough. Right. But, you know, Romans 12 says, um, Romans 12, 12 says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. I love that verse. And there's another verse similar to it in Thessalonians where he says, pray without ceasing. Because I think it, it, it really helps me on what prayer is. Oftentimes when we think of prayer, maybe you have a vision of somebody on their knees, you know, maybe bending over a bench or a chair or an altar when you think of prayer. And then those are legitimate, you know, maybe starting your morning off at your bed praying or ending your day next to your bed praying. Those are, those are wonderful things. But Prayer is a lot more than just that. Yeah. To be instant in prayer and to pray without ceasing means that your life and your lifestyle operates in such a way that you are always living with an acknowledgement of the presence of God and that you are in a continual way trying to be in touch with the Holy Spirit. You are, you're instantly taking things to him in prayer. You're instantly being encouraged and led by the Spirit. 
And so that's a thing that should be ongoing. There's no way to constantly be in an open-ended sentence of prayer with God. So right. prayer is as much a spirit as it is an actual act. It's, it's a frame of mind that our lives should be lived in. You know, over in Romans 8, it talks about if you mind the things of the spirit, you'll be led by the spirit. That means your mind, your mindset should just be a mindset of prayer that at any moment you're going straight to God uh, with a request. Even if it's a short one sentence, Lord, thank you for this. Lord, help me with this. Father, be with this person. Father, help the, these, these, this individual. Um, please guide me in this decision, <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think too, just like with the word, there's that word of caution when it comes to prayer as well, that, um, it's easy to, 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 to miss that prayer is not just, okay. So prayer is, is obviously talking to God. It's also worship of God. It's praising God. It's not just your chance to sit down and be like, okay, God, here's what's up in my life and I really need X, Y, and Z. Yes, we make our petitions and our requests known to God, but we can't make prayer into just that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a wish list. Yeah, I kind of, I gave an illustration in one sermon one time, uh, I guess to toot my own horn here, that a lot of times <laughs> with, with prayer, it's kind of like that, that uh, if you have a vending machine at work, I mean, people probably don't have those anymore because we have DoorDash, but um, it's like that vending machine you have at work. You kind of find the spare change that you have around. You go to that vending machine and you put in the change that you have to get what you want. And as I tell the illustration, I always say, you know, it's starting to come out and the inevitable always happens with vending machines. That item just gets stuck and you can't get it. So you get upset, you start shaking the vending machine and you're like, give me, give me what I need, what I want. And I think some, sometimes we, that's how we look at prayer. Unfortunately, is how we look at prayer. Like James said, you have and you receive not because you ask amiss that you consume it upon your own lust. Yep. We, we ask God, we say, God, I really want X, Y, and Z. And with the illustration, we scrounge up what little time we have, we claim we have to give to God through prayer. And we say, I need X, Y, and Z, God, give it to me. And then we get frustrated when those things don't come to fruition the way that we thought they should. Yeah, and that's just carnality. And what it is, is like, yeah, it's carnality and it's a misunderstanding of prayer. Yeah, it's sort of like you're, I mean, to, to further the analogy, you're talking about the vending machine. It's like we treat it like our Walmart pickup order. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, God, this is what I need. I'll be by later to pick it up. And then if you don't get mm -hmm. something you ordered, you're mad. It's like... God is not just a, a jukebox or a vending machine, like you're saying. That's a great illustration for it because it, it is tempting to treat it like that. Instead of taking, instead of realizing prayers should be a lifestyle, not just, it's not just yep. some wish list. And it's, it's uh, living every day in gratitude, in mm -hmm. worship, uh, and, and yes, in requests. But, you know, oftentimes, Josh, I, I've, the, the, the better I've been doing in my spiritual life, I feel like the more my prayers change. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but in the New Testament, Paul never prays when he prays for the churches. And he talks about praying for the churches quite a few times. He never prays to improve their circumstances. Mm -mm. Never one time. And what does he pray for? He prays that their joy is full. Yeah. He prays for their sanctification. And I've noticed in my own life that even when I do pray for circumstances, when I'm in the, in the most spiritually rewarding times of my life, when I pray, I pray less for circumstances and more for that God would show me what I need to be and what I need to do. And of course, I always have prayed for circumstances. I want sick people to be better. I want marriages to succeed. I want the church to grow. I want, um, there's all those things that I want, right? And there's things in my life. I want him to meet my needs. But so often, you know, God's promised to meet my needs. Sure. And so often what what prayer should be is, is God changing us. Not, not so much all the things we're going to get God to do and change him, but for him to change us, for, for, for him to show us, for him to strengthen us so that we can honor him. Uh, yep. Asking God to, to make us who we need to be through every, through the circumstances we're going through, that our joy could be full, that we could be sanctified and recognizing that God's will will be done 
and that mm-hmm. we can be we that we can honor him through that is as much should be as much a part of our prayers as as any requests we have for for our own reasons so i know that's a that's a challenge because that's the flesh but just get started <laughs> that's the thing if, yep. if if you're listening to this and you're like man my my prayer life I really should pray more. And here's the thing. We go back to the, to the checklist thing. I'm not saying, okay, God, here I am. Here's my time. Try to, when you try to just start changing your mindset on a daily basis, I want to be listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit in my heart and in my mind. I want, I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to live in an atmosphere and an environment of prayer. So next time I'm driving in the car alone, Next time I wake up in the morning, next time I go bed, to bed at night, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end my day and begin my day with talking to God. I'm going to, when I have quiet moments throughout the day, I want to I take those opportunities to talk to God. I, I want this to be a part of my, of my environment always. That, that's what scripture is teaching us to do. And uh, I know that's something I could definitely be better at. It's easy to live, go whole days and, and not even think about about being led by the spirit. Yeah. And, uh, I, just don't try to put a timestamp on it. Yeah. You know, just, it's like you said, being that spirit of prayer. Yes. Should we dedicate, set aside time where we enter into the silence and, and, and pray and be in the presence of our, our great God? Absolutely. We should, but don't let someone get up there on a Sunday and preach a sermon and be like, the great Martin Luther spent three hours in prayer and yeah. <laughs> you walk away and think, man, I, I can't even pray for five minutes without thinking about the fact that I got to go do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Don't do that to yourself. Just do what you can talk to your father. And cause he wants to hear from you, man. Like he wants to talk to you. He yeah. wants to hear your voice. Josh, what relationship do you have that doesn't work exactly the same way? Like I, it, when I haven't talked to my wife for an entire day and that's ha- that happens not super often, but it does happen. And when I haven't talked to her, when a whole day basically goes by that next day, I'm like, babe, I feel like I haven't seen you. Like I haven't mm-hmm. even got to catch up with you. What, like what's going on? How was work? You know, how was whatever? I want to talk to her. Why? Because I love her. She wants to talk to me. She wants to hear from me. That's how relationships work. Sometimes we approach prayer with God and we're like, oh, I got to do my thing. I got to do my little spiritual discipline. Don't approach it that way. It is a spiritual discipline, but treat it like you would any other relationship. It's based in love. It's based on the fact that you should desire that relationship with him. Well, could you imagine... (laughs) could you imagine if you came home from work at the end of the day and as you pull in the driveway you think okay i gotta go in there and i gotta talk to my wife i gotta check on her i gotta see how she's doing that's really gonna be great for your marriage relationship for sure (laughs) and give her and give her like the evening news version of talking to her yeah babe here i am uh here's what happened today and uh, here's what you need to know uh, and now i'm gonna do this and goodbye (laughs) well or maybe it's more like this uh i'll use my wife Hey, Michaela, uh, today I went to work and Michaela, I just, I, I was there, Michaela, and just, I, uh, got all my work done and Michaela, I, I'm so glad you're here. And, and, uh, I just, Michaela, I just, I just wanted to tell you all about that. I want, right. v- Josh, Thank I want you, video of this, Bye. man. <laughs> I want video. Cause I got to see her face. If you ever do this. No, that ain't going to happen. She'd look at me like, what about all the, okay. Just to sidetrack here. What about all the names you ever hear? The, uh, dear, oh, dear Lydia, baby, wife, love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but this is so practically, what can we do? What can one do? Uh, Josh, like we said before, it's not about raw discipline or achievement. It's about real relationship. It's about real int- intimacy. And I, what I love about prayer, my favorite thing about prayer is it's the one place you can be real honest. Mm-hmm. You can be who you are. God knows everything. You can confess your faults. You can acknowledge and face your weaknesses. And that is good for you too. Um, you can confess. You can seek. You can ask God for the strength to change deeply from a supernatural source. And, and it's, a real, it's a realness and an honesty that you, that you just can't even, you can't get anywhere else. And I think of the times that, the, the times spent in prayer that were the, that stand out the most to me. Um, the one I'm thinking about right now was literally just entering into a time of prayer alone with God. And I didn't say anything just in silence. And man, it just walked because I didn't, I was at a point in time where I just had, I didn't know what to say. I mean, 
sometimes you go into seasons of life where you, you come into prayer and you say, God help. And that's about all you got. Yeah. But man, some of those times are some of the richest times yes. of prayer that you'll, yeah, you'll you just, just sit, sit in the still. presence of God. Yeah, yeah. Sit still in an awareness of, of God's greatness and who he is and allow that to, it just, it, it, it blurs the line between prayer and worship in that way. You know, you're just, yeah. that prayer becomes worship in a way. Yeah. And the Bible says he intercedes for us when we don't, mm-hmm. when we don't know what to say, Jesus does. And uh, he intercedes for us, which is a wonderful truth. Yeah. yeah it's, and, and really when we do this, we're following in the steps of Jesus who, when he was here, consistently sought that fellowship and closeness with the father. So, and practically you might, you might have a prayer list. You might keep a list. You might, uh, you might think of it, the different things you want to do in prayer. There's the the times of gratitude where you thank God for what he, for who he is and, and his greatness and what he's done. You might worship, you might have your requests. Um, maybe you like to write and journaling would help you. I know people who've done that as a, as a, as a thing, maybe that's something that works for you. Uh, maybe certain times of the day give you better focus and more quietness and you have to find something that works for you, but it's important and prayer should not be undervalued. And before we move on to any other disciplines, cause I know we need to, we need to move on here. I would just add, if, if you say to someone, Hey, I'll pray with you about that. Do it. Do Preach. it. Uh, even if that means as soon as you walk away from them, that's when you pray about it. Become that yes. person. Just, yes. just make that sacrifice of time. Uh, I have a couple of reminders in my phone from when people are like, hey, will you pray with me about this? Because I know that the only way I'll remember is if I get all my reminders and see it there. The, but don't be the kind of person who says, hey, I've been praying for you when really yeah, you haven't. Josh, I, I love that you brought this up. You you might have as well have been living in our house a little earlier because we were just, Lydia and I were just talking about how prayer gets used. Uh, you know, it's it's to me, it's almost, it's it's lying it's dishonest, but it's, it's, it's almost taking God's name in vain. Yeah. Just the idea that you would just throw that around. Yeah. I talked to God about you. Um, or I'll talk to God about you. That's what you're saying. I'll pray for you. If, if you don't know, if you'll remember, I, this is something I've done. If somebody says, Hey, could you pray for me? Or I'm, or I'm, I'm moved in my heart to pray for them. I don't, instead of saying, I'll pray for you. I'll say, I stop right there and say, Hey, can I pray for you right now? So if somebody says, Hey, would you pray for me? I'll say, Hey, can we, can we pray right now? Yeah. And stop right then. And then in that prayer, I often will say, God, please bring this to my mind. So please bring this often to my mind so that I can pray for it more in the future. And that, to me, that's been a practice that's really helped me. Um, and, and, and I tend to remember it more going forward when I do that. And then when God brings it back to my mind, I pray for, I can pray for it again. I can in that moment, Oh, God, please work in that situation. Please be with them. Give them strength and comfort. You know, so it's 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 a uh, it's a it's a practical thing, but it keeps us from being dishonest because you know that guilt. That some maybe you really did mean to pray for them, but then you said it and you didn't. Yeah, because none of us are you perfect. Know, just and we you know we will mess up and not do that when we tell someone yeah, we do. And you'll feel guilty, you know, because you told them you'd pray for them and then you you forgot. So do it right then. And here's another thing, Josh. This gets me a little bit too is when people say i'll pray about it as a way of avoiding making a decision (laughs) like don't spiritualize it if you're just if you just are indecisive just say let me let me think about it if you're not actually going to pray about it some you don't need to pray about some things you just need to make a decision sometimes yeah and i'm not saying don't pray about it if you want to pray about it fine pray about it but so many of these things people are not praying about it they're just delaying and God has got, you know, if you pray, God's just, some of this stuff, if you pray about it, God's going to say, make a decision. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. I, um, I don't like using prayer as a crutch for not wanting to make decisions or for getting out of conversations or getting out of yeses and nos. Um, let's just not cheapen prayer that way. I agree with you on that, Josh. Yep. I think another aspect of prayer to consider, and we won't really dive into it because just for sake of time, but would be fasting, solitude, those kind of intentional, uh, I guess you could say intentional forms of depriving yourself from those things that may distract you from committed time with, with Christ and and communing with the father. There's for sure seasons of prayer that are more intense than others. That's scriptural. I, I know that Jesus had it. Uh, he was, he went to the wilderness and fasted. 
You see it with the apostles. They spent time fasting. You see it with the early church. Um, that's an important practice fasting is, and that's a whole, that's a whole can of worms, but that's biblical. That's biblical. And it's an important practice It's an important spiritual discipline. When you need to hear from God, when you need God to do a mighty, when you need God in a special way to approach him in a special way, um, mm-hmm. and, and getting that communion with God. And you might even find this in a, on a weekly rhythm too. I know that there are times during the week where I have more time. And so where I have, where I, where my goal is to pray on a daily basis and to live in that spirit of prayer, I might want to take a week once or twice a week or three times a week or whatever, where I have an extended list of more people and more situations that I want to spend more time making sure I, I pray for those, those people in those situations. Sure. And so you might find that there is a rhythm and that there's seasons and that there's, there's places of respite where you devote more time to prayer. So thanks for bringing that up, Josh. I almost, we almost didn't even mention fasting, but that is a spiritual discipline and it's important. Yep. yep. So the last category here today, Josh, is a category of assembly. So these are things that, uh, that is our spiritual discipline as it relates to our involvement as part of the body of Christ. I would say the first one that's instructed in scripture is one of fellowship. Mm-hmm. Spending time with brothers and sisters in Christ, both in the word and in prayer, but also just in community, sharing in life together with people who understand your frame of, of reference, to understand your values, who understand your faith. That's vital. And it, and it helps us grow and it, it puts us in a community of people who can help us grow and who can disciple us and puts us in a place where we can disciple others as well. And that fellowship is not is not strictly speaking just coming together and and being like, how was your weekend? What was the weather like? How is how bad is FSU doing right now? But it's intentionally talking about the things of God, the the word, and how God is working in your life, seeing how he's working yes. in your brothers and sisters' lives, um, even entering into times of prayer together. Uh, yeah, that's what, when I think of fellowship, I think that's really the direction we should think. And unfortunately, I don't know that we see that very often. I know I have it. And I know that that's sometimes very challenging to commit to because the default is to talk about, you know, like I said, the weather or how bad FSU is doing or whatever, or just eat fried chicken together. (laughs) Yeah. Which is horrible and nasty yeah it's not just eating together we i know we like to eat together but that's not what that's not all fellowship is we should you know it should matter josh it should matter to me when i spend time with you as a brother in christ it should matter to me how you're doing how your family's doing yeah it should matter to me that you're in a spiritually healthy place it should matter to me that you're um in a good that that you're growing that you're being discipled i should we should care enough spiritually about each other to talk about more than sports or like you said the weather or whatever's going on we should care about each other enough to to fellowship on spiritual things in acts when it talks about house to house when it talks about them going from house to house they were not uh door knocking believe it or not Um, I mean, I, I have no problem with anybody who wants to go door knocking, but that is not what Axe was describing. It was describing them fellowshipping in the word. Mm-hmm. It was godly fellowship. It was them spending time together. And yeah, they talked about other things. They talked about regular life, but, but they, they didn't neglect the spiritual things in that fellowship. That, that was the goal is to grow as disciples of Christ. And so that's what we should want. You know, the Bible talks yep. a lot about hospitality. Josh, we don't, churches really don't talk enough about hospitality. Um, you know, uh, hospitality is all throughout the scripture. And, you know, one of the ways we could really do a better job of evangelizing is having people in our home. One mm-hmm. of the best ways you can disciple people is inviting people to your house. Cause I can talk at church, Josh, all I want about raising, uh, raising a family in a Christian way. You know, the really the best teacher anybody could have is being around a family in the context of their home and watching them interact in a way that, that represents a good Christian home. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you what we need to be doing is learning from Christian leaders in, in scripture are called examples to the flock. It's not just instructors where if you're a disciple of Christ and you've grown in your faith, you should be ministering to people. You should be showing people how to live the Christian life, discipling them with your example. You can't do that in two hours on Sunday. 
Right. This is where fellowship comes in. And this is where hospitality comes in. We should be inviting people into our homes and into our lives. And there's even talk of being given to hospitality. In other words, your door is always open. Um, that's a wonderful thing. It's a very Christian thing. And our, and, our, and our world, by the way, is very isolated and lonely. We're in the most depressed and isolated and lonely time in American history. Um, you want to be countercultural. Probably world history. Probably. Yeah, technology has not been good on that. Uh, you you want to be countercultural, have a biblical, hus- a biblical hospitality that radiates from you. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be a wonderful thing. What else, Josh? There's, ho- there's fellowship. There's worship. That's all of our responsibility uh, as a spiritual discipline is to worship. Uh, this should be done every single day. You do it through reading God's word. You do it through prayer. You do it through thanksgiving. Worship is really every element of your life doing it to the glory of God. Yes. Every part of your life doing it to the glory of God. We do it corporately, though, when we come together. We sing songs. We hear God's word. We pray together. We take the Lord's Supper. We are baptized. These are all elements of, of corporate worship. our involvement yeah. in, a, in a corporate worship setting. Um, and so you should be engaged in that in some way. You should be, I, maybe you don't sing very well, so you don't like people hearing you. So sing softly, <laughs> Yeah, but, but sing from your heart. I think the key is you should be engaged. You shouldn't. Yes. And we've talked about this on previous episodes, so let's not beat a dead horse, but you shouldn't just let corporate worship happen to you. You should be engaged in it. You should be participating in some way. Absolutely. And which, which segues to the next one on our list here, Josh, which is serving. Yes. It's essential for you to not treat church as a consumer, but to treat it as a participant as in it. And it, it connects really with what we were just saying, but worship and serving. So the, and I posted this recently on social media, Josh, but what if on a Sunday morning I came home and somebody asked me, how was church? And I told them how church, how our church service was that morning not based on how much I was blessed, but based on how much I was able to be a blessing. What if church was about serving others and worshiping God and glorifying him in serving and in my service to others? What if it wasn't just about being served? Yeah. We often look at our church services that way and, and, and we reflect on how, how it went based on how we felt about being spiritually served. Mm-hmm that's useful and that's wonderful, but it shouldn't just be that. Yeah. We should find ways and places to serve. And and again, it's not just your, your church services. It's throughout the week. It's, it's the ways that you are serving your brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, the ways that you are engaged in the mission of the church, which is to, uh, to reach the world with the gospel. So, which brings us to the last thing, which is accountability. Account, accountability, Josh, is something we don't hear much about. Uh, it's modeled between the apostles in the New Testament. They hold each other accountable. Um, it's a deep wisdom that's echoed throughout scripture, but pr- repeatedly in Proverbs, right. right? That wise people hear rebuke and receive it. Um, that the wise have learned that difficult practice, that difficult skill of allowing someone to question you in love and being open and willing to be wrong, to be willing to change. Nobody likes to change, mm-hmm. but are you willing to change? Are you willing to see error and correct? And who is speaking into your life that you trust and you give them that power? I, I know in my own life in the past, this is just confessing fault time. There have been times in, our pa- in my past, Josh, that I have had this attitude like it's none of your business. Sure. When it came to my Christian life. That's not a very biblical attitude to have when it comes to brothers and sisters in Christ. And of course, people should approach you the right way. They shouldn't lamb blast you or, or come after you harshly or without love. But we're too quick to reach for that when we're being confronted. We're too quick to reach for, hey, what are their motives? Were their motives pure? We, we reach for that because we don't want to deal with, the re- with real problems. So it's a defense mechanism. Instead of saying, hey, even if they weren't perfect in the way they presented it, maybe they are. Maybe what, there's some truth in what they're saying and I should examine it. We should be very open to that in, in, a, in a church environment and in a, in a corporate setting. But that's a personal responsibility. Yeah. And I think, both, I think we sh- our churches should be good about creating environments of accountability, but it's also our responsibility. We can only be held accountable to the degree that we allow it. Yes. And we have to seek out accountability. We have to seek environments to hold others accountable 
that would be a healthy thing for our Christian life. We are not, the church is not a solo project. And your discipleship is not a solo project. This idea, oh, I'll read my Bible on my own. I'll listen to preaching. I'll listen to whatever. I'll, I'll turn on, you know, the TV preacher or I'll listen to my sermon audio or I'll whatever. That's not enough. I mean, I love, we were talking about devotionals earlier. They've got video devotionals now, right? A daily video devotional of 10, 15 minutes sometimes. I love those. Some of those are, have, have been awesome and, and, and enriching in my life. But that is not accountability. Right. And accountability is a spiritual discipline. And Josh, I know you and I have personally off, off podcast air, we've talked about this repeatedly, that, that, that we need to do a better job as a church and as believers at holding one another accountable, at allowing for that accountability, at creating environments where honesty and openness and vulnerability is encouraged. Yeah. Um, where honesty is rewarded, uh, even if it means we have to deal with hard things. Uh, I, I don't know all the answers on how this looks, but I'm just telling you, this, this is a vital part of the church. Yep. And it's a vital commitment. It's a vital spiritual discipline for every Christian to be engaged in. Well, and because of, uh, because of the gospel and because of the grace of God, we can enter into accountability with confidence and not yes. fear because we know that we are forgiven. We can confess our faults one to another um, with transparency because, because of the grace of the gospel, because of the forgiveness of Christ and know that, and we should be able to have the confidence that our brothers and sisters are are going to extend that grace to us as we yes. as we are honest with them and transparent about our faults and failures. I mean, uh, James said we got to confess our faults one to another. That should be a thing, and that's hard to do. Like, let's just be real about it. That's not easy to to sit across the table from someone and be honest sometimes. Yeah, especially if you're the first one to do it. Yeah, <laughs> but who knows? I mean, that could open up a lot of doors, and and it. You can do that, as I just said, with confidence because of the gospel of Jesus Christ and because of his grace. There's a few other things, Josh, that are that could be called spiritual disciplines. Uh, evangelism, um, generosity, stewardship, how you manage your resources in a way that honors God. These are all things that could be considered spiritual disciplines. I don't know that they're, if they're traditionally considered them, but they are things that should be a focus for you as a Christian. It's a very personal thing. Yeah. Evangelism is you reaching others with the gospel, speaking the truth of the gospel to others. Now you should be doing, we all should be doing that. It's, it's vital uh, that we're sharing the gospel with others. Uh, generosity is giving. You should be a generous person with your resources. God didn't give everything to you so that you could uh, have bigger, better, nicer, fancier, newer things. He gave to you so that you could give. And that's scriptural that, that, that we work hard. He says in Ephesians, don't, don't steal. If you stole at one time, don't do it anymore, but rather labor working with your hands uh, in good works so that you can have to give to those that need. Um, so meeting the needs of, of others and helping in, in the efforts of worldwide missions is something that the churches, is, churches are usually involved in. You should be a part of that. You should be generous. Um, and generous with your time and, and resources to the people you love and that are, that are Christians and that, that especially those that are a household of faith, Paul says, you should make sure that people are taken care of. And so that last thing is stewardship, which is just managing your resources in a way that honors God, not being wasteful. You know, as we wrap up here, it may help you as you're, as you're listening and maybe taking notes or maybe just taking mental notes. It might help you in the early stages to calculate things. You know, I know our Bible reading plan, Josh, it tells us, you know, you can track how how you're moving through the plan. Those things are helpful. But I think that you should only do that to actually make sure that you're being engaged because we can be, mm -hmm. you know how it is. You can get too lackadaisical if you're not careful um, and then convince yourself, oh yeah, I'm reading, I'm, I'm praying, you know. No, I, I think it's, it can be helpful if you want to track, if you want to track it for that reason to make sure you're engaged. Uh, that's, that, that can be a good thing. But my encouragement is when you're engaged and when you're actually engaged in the disciplines, praying, reading God's word, worshiping God, uh, hearing, preaching, whatever you're doing, forget the calculation. When you're engaged yeah. in it, forget it. It doesn't matter if you're reading the 10th chapter that day or the 10th verse. Uh, don't be so enamored by, by the quantity of what you're doing that you're forgetting, that you forget that it's the quality that matters, right? Let the calculations fade from view 
even if you are calculating it later, <laughs> let that fade from view and learn to just engage in these things to truly enjoy Jesus. Uh, scripture says, there's so much sensory language in scripture, Josh. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yep. So much of our daily walk with Jesus is experiential, uh, but we don't experience it if we don't cultivate these behaviors in our life with these, uh, with these rhythms, these habits of grace, uh, as I was saying, or as, as, as David Mathis called them, uh, it's like being married in a way, Josh, I was as, as a way of illustrating, I had the, I had the day off of work today and I took my kids to school this morning and on the way back, I, my wife loves Dunkin' coffee. I don't mind a Dunkin' coffee, but Lydia loves Bless your heart. Lydia loves Dunkin' coffee. Um, calm down, Josh. It's okay. Bless your hearts. <laughs> so I stopped through and I bought me and her a Dunkin' coffee. And I didn't flip on my marriage app, Josh, and think, check, when I did it. No, I did you it. You didn't? Huh? <laughs> you didn't? Come on, dude. Keep that streak up, and man. And I certainly didn't show up and say, dear Lydia, wife, babe, I bring this offering to you. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> and I, and I gave it, when I gave it to her, I didn't say, there, did my, did my nice loving deed for you today. And yet that is the attitude we take into often with the spiritual disciplines. I, I really believe it's so easy to do that. And, but, yep. but why did I do that? Why did I stop and get the coffee? Cause I love her. I, I want to show her that I love her and, and I don't have to think, Oh, I want to show her that I love her. I mean, maybe sometimes you do think that, but, but I don't have to, I don't have to really try that hard because I do love her. There's such a natural outflowing of, of that kind of behavior when you love someone and sometimes you have to choose it because you don't feel it, but there should be a rhythm to it that, that it becomes more and more natural. It's not something you have yeah. to dwell on. So when you're starting some of these spiritual disciplines, yeah, you're, you're, you're thinking, okay, I want to do this. I want to do that. But man, you, you don't do it for its own sake. You don't do it. You do it to show love and to grow closer to some. I do that for my wife because I want to go closer to her. I want her to know I love her. That's what you do with any friendship where there's any degree of closeness, I, you spend time with that person, you think of them, you, maybe you shoot them a text when you're thinking about them, you ask them how they're doing, you, you follow up with them if you know they're going through something difficult. Jesus, yeah. is, Jesus is the lover of our souls. There's nothing more beautiful and fulfilling than Jesus's love for us. And how did he do it? He didn't just do it in word, he did it in deed. He laid down his life for us. Um, and we're his, we're bought. With the blood of Christ, we ought to be captivated and motivated by a love for Jesus and a desire to deepen that relationship with him. So my encouragement to you is don't th think about it like you think about any other relationship. F look for that deeper relationship with Jesus and just be driven by his love for you. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. The more you behold Jesus and what he did for us, it should drive you. It should make these spiritual disciplines a whole lot less discipline and a whole lot less just something you'd love to do, something you want to find more time to do. And I, I believe that would help all of us. The Westminster Catechism, the very first question says, what is the chief end of man? Answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And I think that's applicable to our conversation today is that these spiritual disciplines exist to glorify God and that we can find our enjoyment and our fulfillment in him. And if they're ever doing anything besides that, that's when we have to stop, take a step back and reevaluate what's going on in our lives. And as a one more parting shot, in addition to eating and sleeping and whatever you do with your family, let's look at everything else we're doing every single day with a whole lot more regularity than we read the scripture, pray and do these spiritual disciplines and ask ourselves, what is it that we really love? Yeah. Cause there's a whole lot of things, Josh, one thing that we will not be able to say on the other side of this thing. And if nothing else proves it, YouTube and social media proves it. We will not be able to say we didn't have enough time. Right. Um, those are excuses. Look at the things we are committed to doing every day. Look at the things that are discipling us on a day to day basis and ask ourselves, what is our heart really chasing? And talking about social media, we did a giveaway after our last episode of nice, the book, Josh. Finding the Right Hills to Die On. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> and as promised, we said we would uh, tell you who won. If you just skipped ahead, welcome. Go back and listen to the episode. <laughs> Don't yeah. be that person. All right. 
And so uh, you guys were, first of all, thank you guys for participating, for sharing the post, for retweeting, for following us on the different platforms. Thank you guys. Yeah, you guys, we couldn't do it without you, seriously. And man, I feel like we say thank you every single episode, but they're all, for real. They are. Thank you. Josh, we got, <laughs> yeah, we got it's, dozens of people reaching out to us, talking to us. It's awesome. We love you guys. You guys are the bomb. And we know a lot of you don't reach out, but we, we see those numbers come in when you're downloading and listening and, and we're grateful for it. Yeah. When we see those download numbers, we don't just see a number. We see a soul. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> I see that hand. All right. Drum roll, please. And the winner of Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland is... The winner is Mark Cabanyan. Congratulations, awesome. Mark. Congrats, Mark. Thanks for listening and for being one of our faithful listeners. Yes. We see Mark sharing stuff all the time. Yep. So you're the man. We'll reach out to you on... Uh, one of these social platforms, probably Twitter, yeah. and get your information so we can get that sent your way. Yeah, Mark's a, Mark's a great recipient for this. Awesome listener. Appreciate you, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Well, Clyde, what do you think, man? Think Jesus is everything. There it is. There it is. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Young Baptist Podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Young Baptist Pod. And check out our website at theyoungbaptistpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to leave a review wherever you consume the content and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time on the Young Baptist Podcast. Podcast.